resilience against violence should a political or economic shock occur. Um, and the questions around this have been asked um, for, for decades. Um, uh, Hannah Arendt, for example, um, in her observation of Eichmann um, in the early 1960s, um, commented uh, about his thoughtlessness and perhaps a, a greater critical thinking could have been protective, or she asked the question, could this have been protective against the, um, against the um, behaviours that Eichmann uh, undertook uh, during um, the Holocaust? And uh, these questions were asked... Um, in Kigali by the Aegis staff when the education programs would be de being developed at the Kigali Genocide Memorial, it would have been very easy at the memorial to say, well, the education programs, this needs to be about the history of the genocide and then get drawn into all the contentious narratives and so on and, and, um, and, and potentially cause even greater harm. We know all around the world at memorial sites uh, and, and collective memory can contribute to dividing societies. This is something we're very much aware of that we in had to ensure, first of all, that we're not doing harm. And so the, um, the uh, education approach went through various um, um, uh, stages of development, but fundamentally asking the question, well, what is what are we trying to achieve? What is the aim of the education? If it's about just keeping the, preserving the memory of the genocide, that's one thing. But if it's about prevention, this is perhaps something completely different. Um, and so um, the big question that was asked was, what were the behaviours, not of the majority of the population, but what were the behaviours, the characteristics of people who didn't participate in genocide? Perhaps they're more interesting than the other behaviours that were going on. Um, um, not perhaps what led people to um, participate in mass atrocities and genocide, but what was it that when everyone else on, in a community or on a street were, was colluding in some way or being involved in killing their neighbours, what made somebody rescue? What were the attributes of girls like Grace, a 10-year-old girl like Grace? Actually, what was it that made her rescue that little baby who, by the way, she picked up and um, carried all the way to... Um, Goma to the refugee camp, risking her life constantly because the genocidaires were in the camp. And um, eventually she brought, brought this baby back um, to Rwanda, became the older sister of the mother, and they still live together today. Um, but um, what was it about the Gisimba brothers in the orphanage? If you've heard about this orphanage run by this Hutu family that rescued hundreds of Tutsis when um, all around them, their friends and neighbours who went to the same schools, were in the same neighbourhoods, were on the roadblocks and filling up the mass graves. And <clears throat> the observations were that, well, when the media um, and the politicians were stirring up anxiety and fear. They were somehow immune to that. And um, maybe it was because they, as Hannah Arendt had suggested, had greater critical thinking, that when they were told that there is this fifth column, when they were told that these Tutsis are a threat to you, that they are snakes, they are cockroaches, they thought for themselves rather than accepted what was being told, um, but also they had greater um, empathy. In one way or another, they were able to put their, themselves in the shoes of others. They were able to think and, 
uh, uh, understand how others were feeling. And not only how they were feeling, but take some action in response to that. And what if, as we'd seen in the 1930s through um, um, in, in schools in Germany, how actually empathy was driven out of young people, critical thinking was um, what was um, uh, um, completely driven out of the classroom, and um, um, values were somehow swept aside. What if it's possible to reverse that through education and build that thinking, critical thinking, build that empathy, build the values that can create resilience against uh, genocide? And so, um, just to skip through some of this, um, and sorry, I've got a bit of a formatting problem here. I've just changed it from a Mac to a PC, and it's taking forever to load. But um, the um, um, I'll talk a little bit faster than the text. Um, and there's this four steps to uh, a four-step approach to preventing violence, which is recognised by the Centre for Disease Control. And um, th these these are the steps that that we we uh, applied in looking at. Um, a, a possible intervention um, in Rwanda to build resilience against genocide. And the first step is that um, um, so defining the problem um, and identifying the risk factors and protective factors. Um, the, the next step is to uh, develop and test uh, prevention strategies and then assure widespread adoption. And um, <clears throat> we, we just talked about the risk factors and protective factors, that there are the structural risk factors that Harf and, and Gurr have identified. Um, but what we were interested in is um, uh, the, the behavioral um, or attitudinal behavioral risk uh, factors that could either be risk factors or, if you flip them the other way around, become protective factors. And so the hypothesis is that empathy and critical thinking are, in fact, and, and certain values that lead to action are maybe protective factors. Um, this strategy was um, um, tested uh, actually at the Genocide Memorial uh, over a, a, a two or three years um, with fairly small level, uh, uh, number of, of students. When I say small number, it was about 11,000 over, over a two or three year um, period, um, whereby um, they visited the memorial and they went through these programs and we evaluated. The evaluation was particularly focused on is harm occurring? Um, is it possible that, that there are greater anxieties and divisions occurring as a result of this? Or is there evidence that there is attitude and behavior change? And what is that attitude and behavior change? How do you measure it? Um, and uh, in, in the first instance, uh, we were trying to look for evidence that there was action being taken by students, not that they were told to do something, but after going through a programme, perhaps they did something that was evidence um, that not only they'd um, uh, understood um, uh, and had this maybe attitudes about the other um, change, but did something about this. So, for example, there were children that went through the programmes and um, um, formed clubs in school, you know, peace clubs, uh, or reconciliation or unity clubs, and from there went and did other things. For example, raised money. Remember, this is a fairly poor country, but they still raised money to buy goats for even more vulnerable people in their communities. So this is an example um, of, of um, action being taken after, after uh, or behavior, possible behavior change. Um, and then the, the next step is to assure um, widespread adoption. So 
um, uh, in, in this instance, um, this would be that um, this program that not only, well, first of all, was um, applied within the memorial, but then was actually travelled all around the um, country with um, support from um, uh, the Swedish government and the British government, um, Department for International Development and, and, and CEDA. Uh, to travel around the country in a, uh, with mobile exhibitions, not just exhibition, but all sorts of workshops. is a very participatory um, um, a approach. Uh, and the next stage, um, through engaging policymakers, particularly within the Ministry of Education, uh, to integrate this into the national curriculum, which occurred um, last year. Um, so we're at the phase at the moment of, of, of implementing that in the national curriculum. Um, Enough of me talking. I just want to show a very short video. Actually, this was made a, 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 a couple of years ago um, before um, this program was incorporated into the national curriculum, but it's just to give you a sense, rather than me speaking here, from our uh, staff uh, in Rwanda. No, it's not, because it's not playing. Um, I'll maybe try that again. Yeah. Right after the creation of this memorial in 2004, it became one of the most uh, visited sites in the region. Children were asking questions about what happened during genocide, how can you overcome it. The answer we gave to these questions is to create a special program for them, the Peace Building Education that started in 2009. To establish this program was not easy job to do. The first question was, what kind of message should we give those children who have different backgrounds? Children who came from the side of perpetrators or children who have background as survivors. Getting a common message was a big challenge. The peace education program is focusing on how we might think differently in times of a division and crisis. What kind of lessons do we use to help students develop the skill of critical thinking? You can't tell somebody to be a critical thinker and it will happen. You can't tell somebody to have empathy and it will happen. It has to come from within. They have to have experiences that help them develop those skills. And that's our goal with the teacher program and also with the student workshops. We have a good news. We have a message to the world. A peace education that started here at the Gajansen Memorial. It has been expanded to the communities. This outreach program is an extension of on-site program which more is not only for students, though it is mainly focusing on them, but also community in general. So when we are together, we base on the exhibition, hearing the stories from people who have gone through help satisfaction to understand more what happened in the historical world. People are speaking with their minds and hearts. One student just stood up and said, this workshop has saved my life and the life of people that I was going to revenge. So after the, the workshop, they are committed to be an uh, agent of change in society. Um.
I realise my time is up, so um, I, I, I just, just beg two minutes to, to um, uh, just emphasise uh, three, four points. The first is that um, this programme you just saw in the video now has been incorporated to the curriculum. We're in the process of undertaking teacher training, um, uh, working closely with the Rwanda Education Board and developing teaching materials. So rather than having a programme that's moving all around the country now, we're moving um, um, upstream to help integrate and sustain um, the, the, the programme. <clears throat> And the second point, I'd, final point I wanted to end on is um, um, this isn't something that can happen, these kind of programs. Uh, just emphasize the point that Murray and others made uh, uh, earlier, um, that, that um, this isn't a three- or five-year program. This is a generational uh, program to develop this kind of change, and it's really important, I think, that we collectively understand this. Um, um, and um, get better at understanding the, 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 the measurements of how do we really measure the effectiveness and change that's taking place here. How do we really measure empathy, for example, change uh, when we start to drill, drill down, and that's a, 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 an immense challenge. Uh, one a, a point I didn't mention earlier is that one of the aims of this program is also to build trust in a, in a, in a society that's divided, and um, um, measuring trust is, you know, immensely difficult, and it's a big challenge. And I'm sure, perhaps, there are people in this room that can contribute to this. And he just would certainly um, welcome to be um, 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 have conversations, and engage with you if, if you're working in these areas. Um, and the final point um, uh, I'm going to end on is that while this um, in Rwanda is being used as a tool for, I guess, for primary prevention. Um, dealing, I guess, addressing these root causes and these risk factors, behavioural risk factors. Um, question that has been asked is, could this approach also be used as secondary prevention? In other words, when a crisis is happening or emergent. And to test this, um, 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 this programme is being adapted and applied in the Central African Republic at present, where you'll be aware there's been um, a lot of instability and violence over the past, particularly over the past uh, five years. Um, and um, uh, this isn't a case of Aegis Trust flying into conflict zones saying we've got a good idea here. Uh, the, the, there's a lot of criteria I won't go into at the moment where, where um, this might be applied, but principally it's where there's been demand, where we've been asked, and it was the faith leaders and the government, transitional government at the time of Central African Republic requested this, and, and, and we s agreed to send our, uh, some of our Rwandan educators um, there, and the next 90 seconds, if I, and, and uh -huh. I'll end on this. Sorry, James, that's Oh. <laughs> You've had half an hour. <laughs> oh, we started 10 minutes late. Oh, go on then. Yeah, seconds. <laughs> like 20 minutes, I'm counting it. Go I've, got on, my, I've got my clock here. Please, 90 <laughs> seconds to show you this, this um, tool of prevention, and I will end. I'll sit down and you can continue with the other my presentation. My name is Lale, I am Roman. I work for Aegis Trust as an education specialist. My work consists in uh, restoring social cohesion in the Central African Republic through peace education. How can uh, Central African public citizens remain in peace despite uh, serious consequences that they faced after violence. As a survivor, uh, I suffered, I suffered, and I don't want that what I faced, what I saw, can happen to the future generations. My experience can help them uh, say, even if we suffered, uh, someone else from Rwanda suffered the same, so we can uh, rebuild, we can overcome. 
it's uh, for me another kind of uh, uh, healing to help rebuild peace in a country which is uh, ravaged by violence. The most memorable moment was organized a workshop and invited uh, 26 chiefs of different villages. At the end, one of the chiefs on his way going home, he met uh, a person who made him suffer, who robbed his uh, properties, who also beat him. After seeing the man, the chief of that village said, it would be the end of your life. I would have committed uh, revenge. I would have killed you if I haven't yet attended a peace education workshop that I attended today. So please feel safe. I, will, I don't, I'm not going to kill you, but I invite you to uh, come and attend the second day of the workshop. So that testimony shows uh, how our programming can uh, help people uh, realize their fellow citizens were not born evil. They can change. So what is to come will be uh, very productive. Thank you. Thank you.